So today we're going to study the fifth sicha for the Parsha of the week, Chayi Sara, from volume 15 of Lakuti Sichos. Now this sicha has special connection, not just to the week's Parsha, but also to the fact that this week, Parsha Chayi Sara, we're going to read it on this Shabbos, and this is the Shabbos that we bless the upcoming Hebrew month. What's that month? Called Kislev. Now, the Rebbe points out that most years, like this year, that the Shabbos that we bless, the new month, is going to be, it has a connection to the Parsha of what we read during this week, has a connection to the whole month. The special uh, theme of every month, which is different than other months, in most cases has to do because there's a special Yom Tov, a holiday in that month. So the Shabbos that you bless the new month is obviously connected to the holiday that falls out in that month. Like we find out more specifically in the month, let's say, for example, of Adar. We have the holiday of Purim in the month of Adar. That means that the whole month of Adar is connected to Simcha and Yom Tov because there's a holiday that's of joy in that month. From here it's understood that the theme of the month of Kislev is connected with a special Yom Tov. What's the Yom Tov that's coming up in this month? It is the holiday of Hanukkah. Hanukkah starts on the 25th day in the month of Kislev. Actually, if you break up the word, Chanu, Chafei, is, it's the day of, Chanu means dedication, Chafei of the 25th day of the month. And we find a hint of the holiday and the miracle of Hanukkah in this week's Parsha Chaye Sarah. What's the whole main idea of the Hanukkah miracle? The Hanukkah was established on the miracle that we found the one jug of oil that we couldn't find, that we came into the temple and we checked the whole temple for jugs of oil and we only found one jug and it had the seal of the high priest on it so we knew it wasn't contaminated by the people who were impure. And there was only, in this one jug was only enough oil to light for one day, but a miracle happened and that oil lasted for eight days. And we find a similar miracle of idea of a candle's lighting and lasting in a miraculous way in this week's Parsha. Where do we find it? One of the themes of this week's Parsha is the idea when, when Sarah, Abraham's wife, dies and he needs to bury her. And what happens after his wife died? Avram finally has enough time to think about his son, who's 40 years old now. And it's time for a shidduch. No, my wife is not here to help my son anymore. I got to get him a shidduch. He's got to move on. And the whole parsha has this long, lengthy discussion of how Abraham sends out his servant Eliezer to go find a shidduch for Yitzchak. And finally he finds his, his uh, bashert. Rivka. Now, the Parsha says, in today's par- uh, portion actually, that he took or he brought Rivka into his mother's tent and he felt a certain calmness there. What was so unique that he, when he brought his wife into his mother's tent, so Rashi brings down from the Talmud that a couple miracles happened with Rebecca's 
presents that used to happen with his mother's, Sarah's presents. The, what's the miracle that's relevant to our case? He saw that on Friday, Rivka lit the Shabbos candles, and the miracle that happened to his mother's candle also happened to his, his new wife's candle. What was the miracle? She lit it, and it's, the flame stayed lit an entire week till the next Friday. Very unusual for a candle to light and last that long. I remember, I remember when my father passed away, and I, the tradition is that we light these big candles they make today, and you light them once a week, and it lasts the whole week till you know, and you you get a bunch of them, and you, for eleven months or even twelve months, you light these candles till the next yard site, right? So I remember one saying the, this week's parsha, this story that the, her, Sarah's candles and Rebecca's candles lasted a whole week, and my son popped up and said, "Dad, but you also the candles light a whole week." <laughs> But he didn't realize that today's day they manufacture candles that could last seven days. So you don't need a miracle. But by Sarah's tent, it was a miracle. A candle that should only last for the little bit at the beginning of Shabbos. As we all know, when you light your Shabbos candles, it's supposed to last. How long is your candle supposed to last? It's supposed to last long enough till the end of your meal. If it goes out a little earlier, but it should last into the meal. Best is till the end of the meal. So, we see the connection of Hanukkah and this week's parsha that both miracles that happened with candles. Hanukkah lasts for eight days, and here it lasted for a week. Nevertheless, when it comes to the miracle of Hanukkah, we make a special holiday about it. It's a big yamtif. We make a specific, it's a huge worldwide yamtif on Hanukkah. So it's understood that the miracle of Hanukkah, something special happened about that miracle that must be that it's greater than the miracle of the Shabbos candles that Sarah and Rivka lit. Even though you could say that Sarah and Rivka's, their candle had an advantage because it lasted the whole week the same candle. And for many years, and it was also a miracle for an individual person. And Hanukkah was different. Every day, we had to, every morning, we lit the candles again. So maybe it was different. But the fact that we make a huge yomtif out of the Hanukkah miracle shows us that Hanukkah must be greater than the miracle that happened to their Shabbos candles. Now, it's difficult to say that the advantage of the Hanukkah miracle would be in the fact that they found a jug of oil which only had enough for one day, and it lasted eight days. And the candles of Sarah and Rivka, theirs lasted in a miraculous way only seven days. So it would be difficult to say that the advantage of Hanukkah, and that's why we make such a huge yomtif about Hanukkah, and not a, not a yomtif about their candles, it would be difficult to say because Hanukkah lasts eight days and theirs only seven days. Because that would only be an advantage of a quantity Difference eight over seven, but that would not suffice of the quality difference. What's the quality advantage over the miracle of Hanukkah that we make such a huge yomtif about it? So to understand this, the Rebbe is going to take us on this fascinating journey. But I want to give a small introduction to this journey, and that is 
the base Yosef, who's the one, the author of the Yosef Cairo, the author of the Code of Jewish Law, he brings one, an amazing question about the miracle of Hanukkah. And there's been numerous answers to this question. As a matter of fact, there's a book that's been published that has a hundred answers to this one question. And in our generation, a great Torah scholar who lived in uh, Israel, he passed away, I believe, in the 70s, and he authored the Encyclopedia Talmudis, of the Talmuds, Encyclopedia of the Talmud. And it, it's unbelievable work, and the Rebbe loved it. He's also well known for his uh, uh, stories on the weekly Parsha. Uh, very famous. His name was Rabbi Shlomo Yosef Zevin. So he also brings this question from the Beis Yosef and he adds more answers and he actually writes in his books that there's going to be, there's no limit to the amount of answers that are around for this this difficult question from the Beis Yosef. And here today we're going to learn a few of the answers and also the Rebbe's novelty in the answer here, which is really, I think, is the inclusive of all the answers. The question is like this. We say, how many days do we celebrate Hanukkah? For eight days. Now, why do we celebrate for eight days? As we said before, the Talmud says, brings down the story, and the Talmud says that we found one jug of oil that should have lasted for one day, and that jug lasted for eight days. So he asks a simple question. If there was enough oil there for one day, then how many days was the miracle? The miracle really was only seven days long because day one wasn't a miracle. (laughs) If let's say this is your jug of oil, if this was filled with oil to last for one day, no problem. So one day is not a miracle. So seemingly we should be celebrating the holiday of Hanukkah for seven days. The miracle is only seven days. Why do we call it the festivity of eight day miracle? That's the bomb question. Now, so to answer this, he's going to bring down two general answers and he's going to show us what's the difficulty with each one of these answers. And then he's going to bring us the Hasidus answer. And then most of the most important thing is the lesson, the takeaway, and how relevant this takeaway is for today's day. It's like un- mind-boggling. So he says like this, there's two ways to understand what the miracle was, and why we would celebrate the eight days, even though technically the first day wouldn't be a miracle. So it's like this. One is the miracle if you focus on the quantity, and one is if you focus on the idea of quality. What's the difference here? So he says like this. The miracle, there was a, there was a, there was a miracle in the quantity of oil that was used for eight days. Now, you could explain this in two ways. In the, in the quantity, in other words, in the, number, in the number fact of the miracle. You could emphasize it like this. That you have, let's say, let's say you have a, a spoon that, or, or a scoop, like, or the jug. They found the jug of oil, right? What do you do with this jug? You pour it into the cup holder of the menorah. So if you take that jug of oil and you pour it into the cups of the menorah, the miracle was 
that when you looked back into the jug for the next morning, there was new oil again. So, seemingly, every day, including day one, day one, you used it up, but all of a sudden, it's, it's there again. The amount of oil that was in the jug is again in the jug. The jug is full again. Or you could say that every day, they didn't find the jug of oil filled with oil, but the cup holders that holds the oil and the wick, the cup holders had oil, even though it burnt out all night because we lit the menorah at night and it went until the morning. So in the morning, you would think there'd be no more oil in there. The miracle is there was oil in the cup. So this way, if you're talking about the quantity of oil, the amount of oil, let's call it, the amount of oil is called the lug. Let's call that one liter of oil, okay? So if you have one liter of oil, you would, it would burn down to the bottom, but somehow miraculously, it was back to a liter. So in the quantity of oil, there's a miracle. Even day one would be counted as a miracle because that oil that's gone is here again. We have new oil so that's one way how to look at it. Another way how to view the miracle is when you talk about the quality of the oil. The, this quantity of oil, the, the, the qua, sorry, the quality of oil, the quality of oil was enough to burn only for one day. But it didn't burn for one day, it burned for eight days. That means every single day, how much of the oil burnt only one-eighth actually got used up. So even on day one, there's a miracle because only one-eighth of it got burnt. It should have burnt down the whole amount, but only one-eighth got burnt. So the quality of the oil emphasizes the miracle. As the base Yosef himself says, that they took the oil from the jug and they actually divided it into eight portions. And every day they only put into the menorah one-eighth of that jug of oil. So the jug of oil, let's call it a lug, right? Which is, let's say, a liter. You poured, you could have poured the whole thing in. No, we said, let's see how, let's see, uh, how long it could last. We divide it into eight. Every day we put one, eight, one of it. So that oil had such a special quality that miraculously it stayed lit. It wasn't that it went down, burnt down, oh, it was more. It just, it lasted longer. What to normally last you an eighth of a day lasted you the whole period. That's one way how to understand the quality miracle. There's a commentary on the Shulchan Arach, on the Code of Jew law, Jewish Law, called the Pre-Chadash. And he explains that the first night they poured in the entire jug of oil, but only an eighth of it got burnt. So the first day, an eighth went down. The second day, another eighth, another eighth. And that's how it lasted all this time. So whether they divide it into eight and put it each day a piece or they put the whole thing in and it all went down, it went down only an eighth at a time. That's the miracles emphasizing the quality. Now, when you look at that, you realize that even day one is a miracle because the quality of it, one eighth should only last one eighth of the time. And nevertheless, it lasted a whole day. Comes out from this seemingly that 
the explanation is whether the miracle of Hanukkah is in the same category of the miracle of Sarah and Rivka. It depends how you look at the two ways. Is the miracle based on the qual- the quantity or the quality of it? According to the second explanation that the miracle of the oil is in the quality of the oil, both miracles would actually be the same category. It's a quality addition that happened, a strength that goes into the oil. And in both cases, it burned for much longer than it should normally burn according to the laws of nature. Hanukkah, the one-eighth should, should have burnt in one-eighth in the right amount of time for one-eighth, and instead it lasted all day. By Sarah and Rivka, their oil for their menorah, their candle, Shabbos candle, should have burnt out in whatever the short period of time, and it lasted for seven days. So when you talk about the quality of the oil, both would seemingly be the same thing. And the difference would be that by Hanukkah, it was a bigger miracle because it went on for eight days. That means the quality had such extra power that it was able to last even eight days. And the second point is that by Hanukkah, there was a separate kind of miracle. Why? Every day, they had to light the candle from new. But by Sarah and Rivka, they lit it once and it lasted the whole week. So you see, even though they both had a a miracle in the quality you could still see differences, right? Whether because Hanukkah it lasted a little bit longer, an extra day, or whether the fact that um, that they, you, you have to relight it every morning. Meaning you have to have a separate miracle every day. Now, that's according to the explanation that it was a quality miracle. But when you go back to the first explanation, that it was a quantity miracle, that means that the category of Hanukkah was from a whole different kind of category. It was created in a miraculous way, new oil. That we don't find this by Sarah and Rivka. We don't find by Sarah and Rivka that a new oil was created. Now, even if you talk about the essence of the miracle of Hanukkah, that they did not have a chidush, in other words, that Hanukkah was, what was the novelty in, in Hanukkah? Because if they had one-eighth, when every day, it just expanded. So like we said before, you could also say that Hanukkah was not such a big novelty. Why? Because we have a story that we read last week's Parsha in the, in the Haftorah. We read the story of Elisha with the woman who needed oil, the woman who came and said that the, the right that the Ravama wanted to take her children for hostage if she can't pay the money for it. And she came to the prophet Elisha and Elisha said, you have oil in your house? She said, I only have empty, empty oil things, uh, jugs. He said, bring as many as jugs you have. And from one oil, they were able to keep them flowing and flowing. So when you talk about that Hanukkah, from one amount, one eighth, it continued to go and go and go. It wasn't such a big new idea. We already had this idea in the story of Elisha. So we're back to trying to appreciate, to understand what exactly is the miracle of Hanukkah so much more outstanding than the miracle of Sarah and Rivka when we see it seems the same almost. In other words, but why do we have that Hanukkah 
we make such a big yamtif about it. And by the candles of San Rivka, we don't make a big yamtif about that. By the way, on a side note, not here, but the Rebbe used to make a, a big campaign, especially after the Yom Kippur War, about women lighting Shabbos candles. And he said that girls should light candles from three years old and up. Where did, what was the source where the Rebbe got this from? Because Rashi says that Rivka was three years old when Yitzchak married her. And we just read that when he took, Yitzchak took Rivka home, she lit the candles and it lasted for a week. So you see that from three years old, you should be lighting your candles already. Good proof, right? Okay, but that's, that's regarding the mitzvah campaign for lighting candles. But the bottom line is, what is so amazing about Hanukkah that we make such a big yamtif about it? I get it, the answer, that there's a quality difference in the miracle for all the eight days, or you're going to say it's a, a, a quantity or a quality, however you look at it. But the Rebbe says, when you think about these two approaches of whether it was a quantity thing that the, it burnt down and then miraculously the jug or the cup holder was filled again with oil, however you're going to look at it, he says we have something that's not smooth about these answers. According to the explanation that it was a quantity miracle of oil, that the oil went down, burnt down in the jug or in the cup, the, the menorah cup holder, and the next morning it was filled again. So the, instead of having one liter, you're now all of a sudden seeing another liter. So what's difficult about that? Because there's a, there's a, 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 a law that says that you're supposed to light the menorah with shemen zayis, with olive oil, the oil from olive. Well, the second day, we're not lighting olive oil. You're lighting miracle oil. So how do you fit that into the verse? The verse says you should be lighting olive oil. But we just said that the quantity of the oil burnt down to the bottom and all of a sudden it was filled again. Is that new oil also called the oil from olives? Doesn't seem like we squeezed out the olives to have that oil. So you could answer and say that what is the meaning when it says olive oil? That probably what it means is it doesn't necessarily have to mean oil that you squeezed from an olive physically. It means it should be clear, clean. The flame should be clean like olive oil. So if you say that that's what it means, then fine, you could fulfill this verse. But even if you go to the other answer, that it was a quality different in the oil. In other words, the quality of the oil now miraculously changed. Instead of one-eighth of oil lasting only one-eighth of the period of time it's supposed to last, that quality changed miraculously and was able to let, be stay lit for a long time. What's difficult about this answer is because we have another law regarding the oil for the manure. It says that the oil that lit from night to day to, to the, from evening to morning, the sages established that how much olive oil, what's the measurement of oil that you need? They said the amount of oil you need is called a chatsi loig, a half of a loig. If we call a loig a liter, so let's say a half a liter. That's the amount measurement of oil that's needed for each cup holder. Now, and the cup holders have to be full. Based on what we said before, 
the second day, we didn't have the full measurement. Because we said that you only put in one-eighth of the amount of oil into the jug. You only put in one-eighth. Well, we just said that the sages established you have to have a measurement of a half a leg. But you don't have a half a leg. You're only putting one-eighth of the leg in. That means we're missing from the proper measurement. So you can't fulfill the mitzvah, really, of lighting the menorah properly. And the other hand comes out that every day there was a measurement to last from evening to morning. Only the first day you had an eighth and the second day you had an eighth, but comes out that either way you don't have enough for the tire measurement of filling the cups. Yes, Irving, we're doing a recording, but if you can't wait, then ask the question now. Go. You want to wait? Wait better, yeah? At the risk of being uh, a koch level or a churismacher, there's one common denominator out of the Hanukkah equation. There's a common denominator. Hashem, you're not giving Hashem any credit for that for that oil. Lasting eight days, seven days. Okay, thank you. So, no, no, good, good point. So let let's let's just phrase that when we use the word miraculously that it lasted so long. Obviously, we're talking about Hashem's making this miracle. Obviously, who else makes who else makes the miracle? Now. So because we have difficulties with both of these explanations that's brought down by the base Yosef, because if you say it's a quantity difference, and then how do you say that they had olive oil? If the next day it's not olive oil, it's just miraculous oil. And if you say the miracles in the quality of the oil, seemingly that if you had only one-eighth burning and the quality changed that one-eighth could last a whole day, then how do you explain that they, you, there's a commandment to put in a specific measurement amount and we weren't putting in that amount? Says the Rebbe that there's a third way to understand the Hanukkah miracle. And again, we're trying to understand the question of the Beis Yosef that is, if there was enough oil for one day, why do we celebrate eight-day miracles? Seemingly the miracle was only seven days. So the two ways where we explain it sounds nice, but there's difficulties with those. So he says there's actually a third way that we can understand the miracle of Hanukkah that we don't have the before-mentioned questions. And according to this third way, it will be understood the miracle of Hanukkah in its unbelievable um novelty way of learning it, that we don't have this anywhere else. We brought before from the Beis Yisif that the miracle of Hanukkah, according to one opinion, was that it was that they took all the oil from the candle, they put all the oil in the whole jug, and in the morning they found it again full. So he says the explanation of this is not that the oil burnt out, and after that it got a refill, miracle refill. What it means is that the oil burnt and at the same time, while it was burning, nothing was missing from that oil. In other words, it was burning, but it wasn't consuming. I believe we all could remember 
such a story we have in the Torah. By the burning bush. There was a fire burning in the bush. But the bush wasn't being consumed. So he's taking the idea that it burnt, yes, but consumed, no. So the, the fire burns and the oil is still there. Even if you're going to say that you could burn the, 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 the oil in a, in a miraculous way because that it was made from olive oil, but it's understood that the light, the fire light from the menorah has to be that it came from the oil. That means what you're seeing here is two opposites happening at the same time. There's a natural fire of light in this candle from this oil burning on the wick. And you would think that it has to be a consuming the oil at the same time. On the other hand, nothing was missing from the oil. It just did not go down. Consuming, but not consuming together. This idea of two impossibles happening at the same time in the terminology that's brought down in many places of Hasidus, but it sources from the Rashba, and the Tzemach Tzedek brings it down in his books of the Sefer HaKira. It's called the Nimna Hanimnos. The, the, the happening and the not happening at the same time. Where do we see this? The two opposites happening at the same time simultaneously. We find this one great example for this is in the ark that was in the temple. We always learn that the Aaron is Enai Min Hamida. This is an actual quote in the Talmud Tractate Yuma. Talmud says that the ark was such a holy item when it was in the Holy of Holies, it didn't take up any place in that room. What does that mean? In, in the, you know, loosely translated, translated. What was the measurement of the Ark? The Ark was not a big box. The Ark was two and a half cubits. Okay, that's it. Two and a half cubits long by one and a half cubits in width. And one and a half cubits in height. That's it. A cubit is approximately a foot and a half. So two and a half cubits. We're talking about three and three quarters feet. Less than four feet in length. One and a half cubits in width. And one and a half cubits in height. That's it. That's the whole measurement of the ark. If you took the ark and you put it into the Holy of Holies. How long is the Holy of Holy room? Ten cubits long. If you measure it from one end wall till the ark, this is the ark. If you measure it from that wall till here, you would find five cubits. If you measure it from that wall to here, you found five cubits. But what happened? This is two and a half cubits long. Ah, it did not take up any place. It was there but it didn't take up any place. This concept is a, is a novelty idea. How could you have such a concept? Only by Hashem. That's it. Only by God could you find this concept of the nimna hanim noise. He could do and not do at the same time. Remember I once shared with you this uh, professor once asked her students, 
and she's you know, trying to be cynical about the belief in God, and she said, is it possible that God could create a rock that he can't pick up? On one hand, of course he could create a rock. God could create any rock, no matter the heaviest rock possibly, God could create, of course. Ah, uh, you're going to say, but could he not pick it up? No, of course Hashem could do anything. Of course he could pick up that heavy, the heaviest rock in the world too. The answer is, that only by God you can't ask such a question because God could and can't at the same time. There's no limitation to God. You could say you could stand and sit. A person, you could say stand or sit. You can't say both. By God, you could do both, stand and sit at the same time. You know, we say Friday night, you say in the Lichadodi, we say, Zachar v'shamar b'dibarechad. In one place in the Torah, God said you should remember it's Shabbos. In another place, he says you should guard the Shabbos. Which one did God say? And the answer is, God could say two different words at the same moment. So there's many examples. Over here in the Sikha, he actually brings the example only of the Ark. Arin is Eine Minamida. The Ark is not taking any measurement space. But you can even get a little deeper when you think about this idea of God's two opposites. He could do and not do at the same time. He could burn the oil and also not consume the oil at the same time. We find this by this ark business. The emphasis is not that the ark has two opposites, a measurement and it doesn't have a measure at the same time. You could go even further than that. The non-measurement comes only when it has a measurement. If you say to begin with the ark doesn't have any measurements, then big deal that it doesn't have a measurement. Only by the fact, by saying that it's two and a half, I want an half, I want an half, now I could say, ah, this measurement thing doesn't take up any place. That's the novelty here. So too by the miracle of Hanukkah. The miracle came, Dafka, and specifically through this, that you lit the candles According to Allah, you did it the right way. You put in the full measurement amount. You filled up the cup to the to the to the half a log measurement, exact the full thing. And you use the olive oil. But since the manure has to have, and since the manure has to have a, a rule that it's made from oil, and the thing is that it has to be able to burn from fire, comes out that the miracle is specifically when it's full. And there was nothing missing in that measurement amount. Comes out that that becomes the big miracle here. That it burned and it didn't burn at the same time. Now the connection from the, this miracle to Hanukkah, we could understand this based on the three explanations that we said till now. The first explanation we said is that there was an addition to the quantity amount Instead of being just for one cup, all of a sudden, it refills every day. Or you could say the miracle is in the quality. Instead of one-eighth burning in one-eighth of the time, it lasted much longer. Or you could say that both opposite things happen at the same time, consume and not consume together. In the first way, you see the miracle only in the first moment. When the oil added... When the oil was, we had a bigger quantity all of a sudden. But after that, it went in a natural way. In other words, the quantity now happened and all of a sudden you get to see the rest of it is nature. So you only got to see the miracle in the beginning. Even though that the miracle from the oil was relevant to, the, to lighting it. Because if you didn't light it in the miraculous way, there wouldn't be any, you wouldn't have the candles in the, in the temple. 
comes out that the burning itself is the miracle. But the miracle is not such a noticeable miracle because every day you're seeing a full jug of oil. You could even see the proof is the guy that lights it doesn't even realize it's a miracle because he sees oil in front of him. He sees a full sees a full jug of oil. It's only in the first instance, oh, there's oil, miracle. But once you light it, you don't see the miracle anymore. In the second way where we say that the quantity amount should only last a short period, but that lasts much longer. Since it's a small amount and it lasts longer, that means that the miracle is all the time that it's burning. You're noticing a miracle. As long as it's burning, you're seeing a miracle. And in the third way, it's the obvious you see the miracle the entire time because it's both opposites happening at the same time. Nothing of it is going down. It's burning, but it's not consuming it. Now, these three different kinds of ways of looking at the miracle of the Hanukkah is three different kinds of takeaways in the service from a person with Hashem. The, what's the difference of nature and miracle in the service of a person? In your relationship with Hashem. What's the difference when you're serving Hashem in a natural order or in a miraculous order? When you're doing something in a natural order of things, that means you're doing it because logically this makes sense to do it. That's why you're doing it. It makes sense. It's natural. It's all about nature. You measure it. You measure your abilities. You measure what I have to do. And that's it. It's all calculated. As much as I understand, as much as I feel, it's all, I go with the nature. My, my, my feeling tells me I should do it this way, I do it that way. Miracle is different. Miracle means I'm not relying on my comprehension. I'm doing it, I'm saluting to God and I'm saying, yes, dear, whatever you want to me, I'm going to do it. Even sacrifice. I'll go beyond my knowledge, even though in my mind it doesn't make sense that I should give up my supper and change the time of my supper to be able to learn Torah. I'm going to do it because that's what it means to be a servant of God. In other words, you, you remove your, your mind and you push it into following the yoke of what God wants from us. You don't recognize, you don't look at anything of your own desire. In, when you don't look at yourself, your own desires, then you're ready to give yourself up all your desires for Hashem. So that's like um, in a miraculous way because it's not based on the natural course of events. Even though every Jew has to uh, put a foundation that whatever I'm going to do, even though I'm doing things based on my intellect, but you're going to do it in a way of accepting what Hashem wants and you're going to do it with a self-sacrifice. As the sages tell us, first thing is you should accept the yoke that I'm going to do whatever the king says to do. And then what? tell me what you want me to do. Like you remember when we got to Torah, we said to God, yes, dear, whatever it says we're going to do. Now let's sit down and tell me what the rules are. But the first thing was our submission. That was the key thing, the submission, whatever you want. So a creation, can't, a person, that's a, 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 somebody that's created, cannot rely only on your intellect and your feelings. Because then, if it's based all about your feelings, you may end up veering aside and not listening to what the will of Hashem is because you're putting your own feelings first. Therefore, you have to found it the foundation every in the morning has to be that I'm going to accept whatever the Hashem wants. And that could be done in a couple different levels. And he, he illustrates this for us. 
One way is that you accept upon yourself in the morning that I'm going to serve Hashem with this accepting of yoke and with a self-sacrifice like a miracle beyond nature. And you feel that in the morning when you say the Shema. You accept upon yourself that there's a God. You accept upon yourself that, you're, you know, that there's the kingdom of heaven. And the rest of the day, I'm going to work based on what my intellect tells me. So it's only your initial emotion in the morning that tells you this. But will you continue the rest of the day work beyond intellect? Not necessarily. Even though that feeling of such strong devotion, you'll obviously take that feeling. But at the end of the day, your main focus of the day is using your intellect and serving Hashem based on your intellect. Another, a second level, second level is that the feeling of Kabbalah soil, of accepting the yoke and going on this self-sacrifice at the beginning of the day, is something that's revealed by you the whole day. To the point that you establish in your heart to literally do this day and night and it shouldn't leave your mind even for a moment. That means... Not that the whole day I'm, I'm going on self-sacrifice, but I'm ready all day. If I have to go on a self-sacrifice, I'll go on a self-sacrifice. The third idea is totally different. The third idea is... The third idea is that the entire day I stand in a way of mysterious nefesh of self-sacrifice. That means that I... That means that I am in this, this mode of Messiris Nefesh, and therefore everything I do all day is in a way of Messiris Nefesh of self-sacrifice, like we see by Rabbi Akiva, that he said all, every single day, every day I would be pained, when will I reach to the level of going on a self-sacrifice? He stood in this level the entire day. Now these three points are... These three points are important that we see this all day. And it shows on three different levels in our self-sacrifice to Hashem. When things are normal, circumstances are normal. When circumstances are normal and meaning it's called in Hebrew, Shanim Kitikunan, things are normal, that the revelation of God, of holiness, is done is in a revealed way in the world, then it's enough to have self-sacrifice just in the morning, in the beginning of the day, when you say the Shema. Why? Because the darkness of the world is not so, not so bad. It's not so strong on you. So the rest of the day, I could serve Hashem with regular intellect. But when you're in a way, in this situation in the world, when the chayshech, the darkness, covers over the whole land, then it's not enough to have just self-sacrifice in the beginning of the day. And that uh, uh, remnants of it should last for the rest of the day. It's not enough for that. You need to have a feeling of self-sacrifice ready in a revealed way all day. And then you'll be able to stand by any kind of sacrifice, anything, any kind of darkness. But how are you going to stop by, stand by this darkness? It could be in two ways. That the darkness of the world itself conceals over godliness, 
only in a way as much as the nature of the world covers over the holiness and the, the light of Kedusha. And in such a situation, in such a situation, even though the nature is, and the main thing is of the service of the per- of, of a person is when you want to work at when you want to serve Hashem in a way where it's with your intellect. But in order to take off the concealment of the world, it's not enough that the worldly things shouldn't disturb you. You also have to feel the devotion of Messiris Nefesh of the sacrifice that it should light by you for the for the duration of the whole day. But when that's one level, but when the darkness of the world is so strong that it strengthens itself and it puts us in a difficult situation in a captive way of a situation then to the point that the world is a disturbance of your service to Hashem then the main way is you have to fight back with the darkness break the darkness and convert it transform it into a holiness and in this level you have to stand Always, every moment with a self-sacrifice, determination to every single way, the entire day, being a mysterious nefesh. You cannot let it get to you even in the smallest way. You have to stand there firmly against that darkness. And this is also what happened in the story of Hanukkah. On Hanukkah we have that, on Hanukkah we have that the miracle of Hanukkah was done in such a kind of way... That the, it happened, the nimna hanimnois, the two opposites happened at the same time. There was a new miracle every single second, and that happened because this was the spiritual level of the Jewish people at the time. It says that when it happened, the miracle of Hanukkah was such a dark situation of, from the days of the Greeks, they wanted to make sure that Jews should forget the Torah mitzvahs. That's all they wanted, that we should go away from serving Hashem. And the Jews stood in a way, in a revealed way, with self-sacrifice to the point that the weak were able to stand against the mighty, to go against the darkness. And that level of self-sacrifice brought down a verse that says in Shmuel, and the level of, of, of God's name itself came down and it shined through the darkness. What's the Vav in the beginning? Because the Vav is drawing down from a higher than the norm to bring it down into this world to be able to purify and to transform the darkness. And this came down in a way with the miracle of the oil which was in the was in the jug that was sealed with the Kohen Gadol, the high priest's seal. That shows that they were, there was no place for any external forces to be able to touch it. That means that it touched, it came from such a high place, higher than normal, and therefore the miracle was able to be in such a kind of way where it wasn't able to be grasped by any materialisms in a way. Now, I want to bring to you at this point here, there was this sicha was said in, you know, many years ago in 1966 and 1975. But in 1990, the Rebbe brings down in Sefer HaSichos, Tavshin Nun on page 202, the Rebbe brings there other reasons why the miracle happened with oil. And this was to show the love, the chiba that Hashem had to the Jewish people for doing his mitzvahs. And that's why it was done in this way we gave us this oil. Since the mitzvah and the preparation of it 
was done in a way according to the laws of nature. Therefore also, when Hashem did the miracle, He did it in a way that it should show our love. We showed our love to Him. So He came and showed His love to us in a way of doing the two opposites. And that's why the miracle also had to have a grasp on, on a material thing. And that's why it grasped through the oil. Because He wanted the miracle to also be a part of this World here. In other words, it should transform the natural course of things in this world. That this was all a reflection, a reaction of our love to Hashem. Hashem showed this love back to us. Back to here in the Sicha, he concludes. Now we understand why the connection of all of this with the month of Kislev, with the holiday, the Chassidish holiday, the Rosh Hashanah of Chassidish that happens on the 19th of Kislev, that the Rebbe is freed from jail and the famous Yom Tov Yutis Kislev. When you're holding by the darkest days of the, the threshold of the days of Mashiach, where the darkness gets stronger every single day, specifically at that time, it's important to reveal the level of oil of the Torah, meaning the deeper, the inner parts of the Torah, till the secret of secrets, the most deepest places of the Torah, till it touches the Yechida, the oneness level of the Torah, which that awakens and reveals the point of the Yechida in every Jew in every Jew, meaning it touches the core of the Jew in a way of spreading it out to the chutzah, to outside, and the wellsprings get spread out to the entire world in a way of spreading. And through this, we reach, and it accomplishes the level of that Hashem itself comes down and brightens up the darkness, and it fulfills the promise with Mashiach that night turns into day, that the darkness itself gets transformed into light, Bekar of Mamash. And this comes from the end of Matzoi Zeis Hanukkah Sicha in 1975, and Ayud Beis Tamas Sicha of 1966.